0: You're very kind. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's good to be with you and it's good to have you with us. Um, just want to do a little housekeeping myself, but uh, uh, I, again, Brent's done a wonderful job uh, at introducing John Musgrave is uh, my name. Uh, I've been with the network about nine years and uh, been pastoring in Bell Fountain about two years. And uh, so uh, uh, we're enjoying that, but it's also given us a, a good handle on uh, um, what I'm trying to do within the network, as I'm now pastoring again, it allows me to kind of put those two pieces together a little bit. So we're enjoying that. But uh, uh, have, have any of you come to this session with an expectation of a question or something that you would like to, to be answered? When you think about, you know, aim small, miss small, strategic planning, uh, is there something that you're, I, I'm hoping I hear this today in this session. You want to raise your hand and just throw that at us? So we have... An idea of what we're aiming for today? Anyone? When you hear that subject, what do you what do you hope in this class covers? Yeah, John, I think, uh, you know, we're all called to make disciples and equip the saints to do the work of ministry. But I think to activate on uh, local church-specific DNA, a specific calling maybe that a particular church is called to in the community Okay, others are, are not. Okay, very good. Very good. Yes? I want to start. We share okay. In our okay. And I just want, you know, get the foundation of it and very good. Very good. Anyone else? I guess I just want to say I want to know or at least get in the right direction of how to aim big. Okay. How to aim bigger than I am. Okay. Right. Very good. Anyone else? Yes. More of trying to get and motivate our people to, to think big. Okay. Okay, very good. Very good. Thinking big as a church, meaning all church, not just one church. Okay. Not having a vision just for your own. But okay, very good. Very good. So Yeah. So my, my interest is, is finding out how we can get other people to cast that vision okay. that I've already been cast. Okay, very good. Very good. All right. Uh, and, again, not going to promise we're going to cover all of those things, but it just gives us an idea of what you're expecting. And I have found in my learning experience that, that if I'm attending something and I've already got kind of an interest in that area or it's they're talking about things that I'm living, I have a greater opportunity to retain and so forth, whereas if I'm in a class and, oh, that's not where I'm living right now, that's not where I'm, you know, I, I'm in the class and it's good, but, eh really didn't hit my my sweet spot. So uh, I would also want to remind you that one of the greatest things about an event like this in Synergy is the opportunity to cross-pollinate with other people. And uh, please do not, uh, you know, just kind of think in terms of, Going to session to session to session, but in between the sessions, you know, uh, at the lunchtime and so forth, uh, take the opportunity to meet some other people that uh, may be in a similar area of ministry, a similar place in ministry, or might just share, uh, you know, similar ideas and so forth. So use this as a relationship building opportunity uh, across the network and so forth. And then we also want to let you know that the sessions will be available on our website, so we are trying to record the sessions. So there may be some sessions where I wish. I could have gone to that one, but I can't. Uh, You know, they will be available on our website probably uh, within the next, uh, you know, I'll say 30 days, something like that. It'll take a little bit of a time span to get them all up there and so forth. So just want you to be aware of that. So uh, uh, today I I just want to share with you a little bit uh, about what I feel is a a need to be able to connect vision to, to somewhat of a strategic plan. And uh, I'm going to begin by sharing an illustration with you. And if you've uh, been in any of my sessions other times in the last six, eight months, you've probably heard me share this illustration. Uh, I have a brother who is 10 years my senior. And uh, so uh, when he was 18, 19 years old, uh, he left the house to go into the Air Force. And I was eight or nine years old when he came home on his first leave. And when he came home on his first leave, you know, he, he said, hey, John, you want to go bowling? And I said, man, I'd love to go bowling. I've never been bowling in my life, you know. I'm going to be with my big brother. You know, this is great, you know. So we go bowling, and, uh, you know, he fits me with a ball that he thought would be good and shoes and all that stuff. And he kind of, you know, there's the pins, you know, aim at the pins, you know. And I threw probably six or eight gutter balls. I mean, boom, boom, gutter, gutter, gutter. I was not impressed with this game. I mean, I was just not impressed with this game. And the whole time that I'm doing that, my brother is standing behind me and sitting behind me in those seats behind the the lane. And uh, about the fourth or fifth frame after I'd thrown multiple gutter balls, he comes up and he says, hey, John, he said, "Uh, have you noticed those arrows on the lane? And I said, I didn't see no arrows. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at the pins. You know, I just want to knock pins down, you know? And he said, said, forget about the pins. I said, what? Forget about the pins? That's what we're here for, is it? He goes, forget about the pins. He said, the way that you're throwing your ball, he said, I think if you aim at that third arrow in, he said, I think that you'll knock some of those pins down. And then he said, John, have you noticed these dots here on the floor? I didn't see any dots on the floor. I mean, you know, I'm just just there trying to knock down pins, you know. And he goes, you know, these dots here, they give you an idea where you're supposed to place your foot. He said, I think if you would put your left foot on this dot, And aim at that third arrow in. He said, I think you'd probably knock some pins down. So I planted my foot on that. And I tried my best to get as close to that third arrow in as I could. And sure enough, I knocked like five or six pins down. I was ecstatic. I was like, yeah, you know? Then I finished the rest of the game still trying to do that. And once in a while, my brother said, you know, John, he said, maybe you need to move it just a little bit this way or that way and so forth. I would suggest to you as a church many times, we're so focused on the pins that we don't think about the arrows. I would suggest we're so focused on the pins that we don't think about the dots that are on the floor. And uh, some of you may have seen the movie The Patriot, and uh, of course Mel Gibson plays the father, and the British had kidnapped his son, and uh, his older son, and he takes two of the younger boys, and he goes after them, and he's got all these musket and muzzle loaders, and he's going to a place where he can find and kind of get ahead of them, and so forth. He kind of sets his boys up, you guys see me here, and I'm going to go over here, and gives them some instructions, and then he, he makes this statement to them. He said, he said what did I tell you fellows about shooting? And in unison, they said, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. Now, I heard several of you today talk about big vision, big vision. I understand that. I would suggest that sometimes we're so focused on pins that we totally miss the vision completely. And so I would suggest to you today that in my world, in the world I live in, not only the network, but also in now pastoring church and even pastoring in the Youngstown area many years before that, uh, you know, I think sometimes we have difficulty putting our vision into strategic steps to really make it happen. We, 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 we've got this big dream out there, what we want to do, but we have difficulty breaking that down into meaningful steps that allow us to really accomplish that. And, uh, you know, all of us have probably heard the illustration of the king that was out, you know, going around with his, his, uh, you know, army and so forth, and he came across this, this line of trees, and there were these arrows in the trees right in the middle of a bullseye. And he's like, man, I have got to get this archer in my armory. I mean, if he is this good, tree after tree after tree, bullseye, bullseye. He said, I've got to find out who this guy is. So they ride on ahead, you know, and sure enough, they come across this, this young kid. And he's he's pulling he's pulling the arrow out of the tree, you know. And he said, are you the guy that made all these targets? Yeah. He said, did you do that from like five yards away? Or, oh, no, I was a hundred paces away, sir. Really? Man, I need you. You're you're awesome. He says, how do you do that? He says, well, he says, I get about 100 paces away, and I shoot the arrow, and then if the arrow hits a tree, I go over and I paint the bullseye around it. (laughs) I would suggest sometimes we in the church, we kind of do the same thing. You know, we just kind of randomly aim at stuff. Man, it looks pretty good. And uh, today I just want to say that one of the seven habits of effective leaders by Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. Where do you want your ministry to be at the end of this year? Where do you want your ministry to be in the next three years? Where do you want your ministry to be in the next five years? What kind of church do you want your church to become? What are some of your personal values that that you want to begin to to bring into that church situation? What kind of person or leader do you want to be in 12 months or 18 months or whatever it might be? And I, I would suggest that the first thing we need to ask ourselves is to clarify the win. What's a win? You know... If you're not sure what your win is, how are you ever going to know if you hit it? I play a little basketball, enjoy it, and I'm grateful that bucket inside the circle's two points. Bucket outside the circle's three points. Foul shot's one point. I don't know who clarified that. But if I'm down by two points and I've got ten seconds to go, my win is a three-point bucket. Bucket. I know that. I'm clarifying my win. And and I would suggest to you that we might even bring that down a little farther. You know, we say we want to make disciples. What's a disciple look like? What would be the habits of a disciple in your environment that would cause you to say, I've created a disciple? Have you ever stopped to ask that question? I'm just saying, you know, uh, I want to create a worshipful atmosphere in our church. Okay, what's a worshiper? Define that. Clarify your win. And that could be for anybody. You know, children's ministry, that could be men's ministry. What is your win? And I would suggest to you that before the season began this year, that Urban Meyer and the OSU Buckeyes had one thing that defined their win. It was a national championship. Okay? Okay. Now, if you talk to Urban Meyer several months before, he oh, we might be ready in a year or two to be the team I really want (coughs) us to be. He said that publicly. I got a feeling that locker room, he was saying, guys, we're going to win the whole thing this year. He said the win. Uh, I'm a Reds fan, spring training has started. World Series. That's a win. Anything less is not a win for me. Making the playoffs, that's not good enough. We've been to the playoffs. I don't want to be the playoffs. I want to win this World Series. Now, let's imagine for a moment that the Buckeyes uh, up to this point were a 50-50 football team. Uh, Maybe they won 4 out of 10 or 5 out of 11. That locker room might say, hey, if we can just have a winning season this year, that's a win. Maybe the Reds were basement dwellers for the last 20 years You know, if we can just get out of the basement, that'll be a win for us. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why I say what's a win? Too many times we define our win by what the church across town's doing. We define our win by the last seminar we went to your win is going to look totally different because of the DNA and the uniquenesses of the church that you're in and the community you're in. And I'm just saying, I believe we need to first of all define the win and ask what that is. And many times our win is so general. We want to grow. We want to see souls saved. We want to reach our city for Jesus. Well, those are all great things to say but how are you going to define that at the end of the year? How are you going to define that at the, the end of the you know, uh, I would suggest to you, what is your vision for your church or your ministry? Right now, what is your vision? What are you trying to accomplish? What's important to you? And then I would ask this, Is it attainable? Is it attainable? Is it measurable? How will you know if you attain it? How will you know if you attain it? And I would suggest to you that's the pins. That's the pins. Okay? And we'll come back in just a moment to that. And then I would suggest that if those are the pins, then what are some of the arrows you need to be aiming at? What are those defined pieces that will point you toward the pins? Many of us are aiming at the pins and we're making a lot of gutter balls. But what are those measurable things? What are those arrows? I would suggest to you in many cases they're the ministries that we offer. Okay? Are the current ministries that you're offering pointing you toward your pins? Are the current ministries you offer at your church or within your ministry are they pointing you toward your vision? If I hit that arrow, i.e., that ministry, does that necessitate that I'll probably hit some pins? That's a, to me. That's a very important question. Because if your ministries are not properly placed on the floor to hit the pins, you might have to say maybe that ministry needs to change. Maybe that approach needs to change. Let's go back again. Okay, I want to. I, I want to make twelve disciples this year within my church. Okay. That's a great vision. That, that's awesome. Okay? What's the arrow that's going to point me that direction? Well, my great preaching on Sunday morning. Okay. Gary could say that. I couldn't. <laughs> we, we, we almost think by osmosis that's going to happen. We're going to have 12 disciples, but we have no steps in process that's going to allow that uh, a track to run on. Uh, you know, I, I want to I add souls to the kingdom. Okay, right. what's the steps? Do you have any evangelism teams in place? Are you going out into the streets? Uh, are you preaching evangelistic messages on Sunday? You understand what I'm saying? If, if that's your goal, if that's your vision, what are the strategic methodologies that are going to point you in that direction in developing leaders? I, I want to develop five new leaders this year. Okay, what's your process? How are you going to do that? Are you going to meet with some people once a month? Are you going to have some breakout sessions so you can cross-pollinate with them and allow your spirit to get on them and and your theology and ideas and so? Or are you just by osmosis, well, I hope we get five new leaders this year. It's great to have that vision, but I would suggest we need some steps that are going to point us in that direction. Now, I don't know, but I venture to say that the Buckeyes probably had a couple practices before the championship game. I got a feeling they were probably in the weight room a couple of times before the championship game. They just didn't say, we're going to go to the championship, hey, let's go have pizza. You can say what you want, but Urban Meyer, he put a game plan in place, and in spite of doing it with his third-string quarterback, which was kind of neat, you know, (laughs) I was talking to a Nebraska guy about a month He goes, can you send your third stringers out our way and help us out a little bit? <laughs> All I'm saying is you go to any other format, football, baseball, business, whatever, there's some kind of a strategy in place. That's how we're going to get there. That's how we're going to get there. My question, have you broken your vision down into smaller steps? And if we do these things, and again, I'm not saying 2 plus 2 plus 2 equals 6. I'm saying if we do these things, it'll at least point us in the direction. If we do these things, then our vision will have the potential to come to pass. And then I would suggest to you that beyond that, I, I think you need to be talking vision. And again, think not bigger, but think smaller. I was in a church this week, and they've chosen a theme for the whole year. I think that's awesome. I think that's great. And everything they're doing is, is moving towards that theme and so forth. For the church I pastor right now, uh, you know, my goal this year is to raise up 10 leaders within my church. Okay? And I've already set in place some processes, but, but I'm verbalizing that to them. And, and so, you know, when I, when I talk about Moses, I'm not just talking about Moses, I'm talking about 70 elders that he needed. To help him. When I talk about Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus, but I'm talking about twelve that He raised up to carry on His vision. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm ministering around that thematic because someone told me a long time ago, "You get what you preach, you get what you teach." Okay, let's say your vision is twenty souls. You might have to talk about that a little bit. You might have to talk about that. You you may have to teach about that, but put some energy behind it. Put some biblical examples behind it. And I would suggest then you need to even break down those smaller steps into day-by-day steps. Could less be more? Could less be more? Uh, Church I'm pastoring right now averages about 65 on Sunday morning. A year ago it was averaging 43. I feel pretty good about that. We were very strategic this past year in just trying to attract people in. I, I just wanted to get as many people in as I could. Now my sh- I've shifted a little bit. Now I'm getting some leaders in place. But I cannot focus attention on everything. Okay? Now, I'm very much bivocational. Uh, I draw my salary from the network. And I put in a couple hours a week, don't I, it network? I'm very much part time at the church even if I was full time at the church you cannot devote a lot of attention to a lot of things and expect to hit your vision you just can't you cannot diversify too much and expect to hit your vision so when you say, this is what we want to accomplish this year, these are the steps we're going to take to accomplish it. You are also saying, we are not going to accomplish this. We are not going to accomplish that. And we're not going to be taking those arrows over there or those arrows over there, which immediately comes back into my day to day as much as I might want to have this thing going on this month, it's not pointing me toward vision. It's not pointing me toward the arrows. So I've got to, oh! And I was born and raised Pentecostal. I was born and raised in this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's always that. But, but what if it's God. I personally believe that God is a strategic planner. I don't think God flies by the seat of his pants like some of us do. My Bible tells me that before the foundations of the earth was laid, Jesus was already slain. That tells me God has a little forethought. Just a little. (laughs) I've been reading through the Bible. I'm in that place right now, Judges, Gideon, there's a very strategic plan for Gideon. Gideon wanted thousands of soldiers. God said, oh, that's too many. So he narrowed it down. Oh, it's still too many. God says, I only need 300 for this job. I told my Bible study Wednesday night, that's when I would have put the fleece out. <laughs> when the army got cut from thousands to 300, I would have said, God, I need one more fleece. <laughs> And then the armament, I mean, tanks and Uzis and B-52s and, no, pitchers, torches, and trumpets. But it was still a plan. Still a plan. Everybody be quiet. When I give the shout, you sound the trumpets and break the pitchers. That was a plan. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he had them sit down in groups of? 50 and he broke the bread he gave the bread to? The disciples. The disciples. That sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> it does. I'm just saying that I think sometimes in our Pentecostal roots, we have this idea that if it's not impromptu, If it's not spur of the moment, then it can't be God. I I would disagree with that. I believe God can birth in my heart as a leader what he wants to accomplish in my church over the next year, two years, three years. He can give me a vision. He can give me some strategies to reach that vision, and then I've got to back away and say, okay, what do I need to be doing today to accomplish that arrow? What do I need to be doing today to start moving toward that arrow? So, so that arrow of that step might mean something different in my activity today. And I would suggest to you that that means you're going to say no to some things on your calendar. Because you can't do it all. And uh, my mantra since I've come to this role working with our network affiliate churches has been, you can't do everything but what you do, do well. You can't do everything, but what you do, do well. And there's some things that people, they're going to have a, oh, pastor, we need to start this ministry, or we need, and you're going to say, well, I don't think that fits in our vision for this year. That's why you're the leader. That's why you're there. So we just want you to know that sometimes you need to change today into very tactical steps so that you can hit the arrows, the strategies, so that you can move toward your vision. Now, I'm just going to bring a couple more things, and then we're going to open it up for questions and q and A. I purposely have uh, tried to leave some time at the end. But um, I would suggest to you, again, for me, I want to attract about 15% growth in my church this year. Okay? Okay. Uh, Statistically, we had like 42% growth last year. So I'm like, well, wow, that's awesome. But that's not going to continue. I know that. So, but, uh, so we retain about 10% of our guests. Okay, So if you're a church of 100 and you want to grow to 115 and you retain 10% of your guests, you need to have about 150 guests this year. to gain 10%, 15%. Okay, that's my vision. That's my vision. Now I've got to ask the question, how do I get guests in? Okay, for us, we do about three presence evangelism things throughout the year. I'm not trying to win souls with those things. I'm not trying to evangelize with those things. I'm just trying to be a presence in the community. Uh, we're going to do an Easter egg hunt in a couple weeks. And uh, for our church of about 60, 65, we'll probably have between 350, 450 on our grounds in two weeks. I'm pretty excited about that. That's good. Okay. We're going to do a block party in the summer. We, we're going to do a block party in the summer, music and all that stuff. Going to give out free hot dogs and popcorn and all that. We'll probably have another four or 500 for that. We'll do a fall festival in the fall. We'll probably have another 3 three fifty for our fall festival. We'll have about 1,000, 1,500 people on our property over the next year through those, okay? Again, going back to my vision, I want to grow by 10%. I want my community to know we're there. Presence evangelism. Presence evangelism. And then we're probably going to do three big days at the church, okay? I'm going to try to get the people of our church to invite their guests three Sundays out of the year. And you're saying, man, I want my people to invite people every Sunday. God bless you if you can get them to do that. (laughs) I focus on three Sundays a year, and I purposely say I want everybody here to pray for five people. I want everybody here to begin to, to think in terms of inviting five people to Easter, five people to this, five people to that. And my goal is that we might be able to double our attendance on those special days. okay. So instead of the 65, maybe have 130 just for those days. okay? I want guests. And then we're hoping then that those will be part of those 150 guests, and then we'll also have the normal guest flow during the year. Uh, So that's our arrows. That's what we're aiming at. We're aiming at these things, hoping that we can get 150 guests, hoping that we can keep 10%. Hoping I'm going to clarify that. Now, what do I do with the guests? I, I, if you've heard me talk on this, you know I've got a little Japanese lady at the door. And she is good. I mean, I wish I could triple her, you know. I don't know how she does it. We had about 115 guests last year that we got information on. That's phenomenal in a church our size. But I give it all to Mitsu. Mitsu just a somehow and a loving, I mean, she doesn't hold a gun to their head. But so one of our things, we've got to get information on those guests. That's right. Okay, so, so we have a great person at the door. We've got a welcome table. We've got, I'm saying it from the platform. Hey, if you've not filled out your guest information, please do, yada, yada, yada. Uh, four or five times during that day, they're going to be asked about guest information. Because we want the, without that information, it's really hard to follow up on them. So that's one of my day-by-day tasks. Now, does it always feel good on Sunday morning when the Spirit of God is moving to break the anointing and talk about a welcome card? No, it doesn't always feel good. But if that visitor is unsaved and they begin a relationship with my church, I think that's a very spiritual thing. See, old school again. Now, Pastor, we, we don't want to interrupt the Spirit, you know. We, we, we <laughs> You've heard that line, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm just giving you my illustration of a strategic plan vision. We want to grow by 10%, 15%. We, we want to do these events to attract and get guests. But then day by day, I've got to get their information. And then I'm going to follow up hard on those people. Okay. And I'm, this is my, these are my tasks every week. On Monday, I send postcards to every one of those guests. Okay? On Thursday, somebody from our church is visiting every one of those guests. I don't care what you call it. Okay? On Saturday, I'm calling those guests on the phone. I'm saying, man, it's so glad to have you last week. You know, I'm really sorry I didn't get a chance to meet you. You know, when I see you tomorrow... I'm not asking if they're coming back. When I see you tomorrow, would you please introduce yourself to me? You know, before after service, would you make sure that you, you just, I really would like to meet you tomorrow. I'm not giving them that choice. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? And, and so immediately, and I'm just getting. Please don't go out of this session going, that's a great visit. No, it's not. It's about vision. What's your vision? And what are the arrows? What are the the, the missional steps you need to take to get to that vision? And what are the day-by-day things you need to change to hit the arrows to hit the vision? Once a month, I'm going to have a guest relations. Pie with a pastor, pizza with a pastor, call it what you want. At this point in Bell Fountain, previous year, Everybody that has come to a guest with a pastor has stayed in the church except for three. Except for three. One of those families moved to Michigan. So they would still be there. Okay. So what I'm saying right now is I no longer even think about growing by 15%. I don't even think about that anymore. It's out there. But I have found that guess with the pastor, that, that early thing here, if I can get them here, I've already got that. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so all I'm saying, and, and I believe with, if anything you're looking at, if you can take that, if you can aim smaller, you're going to miss smaller. Too many times we've aimed the pins. We're not hitting it, we're not hitting it, we're not hitting it, we're not hitting it. You're aiming way too big. Bring that down into some steps. So I'm going to aim at this. I can hit this. I can hit this. Is my time up? You're over there making all kinds of... I just, I, oh, I man, you're writing stuff down. I can hit this, okay? Now, I have found in my life... <laughs> I have found in my life that I have a problem with ADHD. I personally believe the ministry almost cultivates ADHD. Because <laughs> all these people are coming at you with all this stuff, you know. They, everybody's got a great idea on Sunday after service, you know. Yes. <laughs> they just bombard you with ideas, you know. And, and uh, going back to one of the movies, Robin Hood. You know, Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner. He was, he was you know, kind of tormenting one of the other guys, and he just asked him, he says, hey, a, can you shoot with distractions? And just right before the, the boy releases the arrow, Kevin Coss and Robin Hood pokes him in the ear, and he misses his target. And Robin Hood makes this big speech about, hey, you need to be able to deal with distractions. You know, you've got to be a good archer regardless. And, and so Maid Marion walks up to him. He says, well, Robin Hood, can you, can you hit the target with distractions? Well, sure I can. And right as he's getting ready to release her, she goes, in his ear. And he misses his target. I would suggest to you that one of the reasons why we have difficulty hitting vision, we have difficulty hitting the arrows, we have difficulty hitting the spots on the, is because we allow too many distractions to rob us from what God has called us to do. We allow too many distractions to rob us. And again, well-meaning people, good people, some are valid, and you need to be that pastor to them. But you need to be very careful. You can get your day filled with things that are not going to get you toward your vision. And after a while, you're going to start blaming them. people. One for them people, one for that. You're the one that made the decision to allow that distraction to keep you from being on target. That is my timer, so I am ready. But all right, any pushback? You've you've written down a book over there. But any pushback? I saw a couple hands, and you were waving at me ten minutes ago. So <laughs> it's it's amazing because the smallest, the big. Because if we're revitalized in our churches, we can't encompass every little aspect of it. Nope. We have to focus on what we can do. Help others do to get a job, basically, in the church to you know, help it grow. But you're right. When we're focused on the big goal too much. We don't have time to get to the steps. Anyone else? Yeah, what, what process do you use for goal setting within your church? Um. It's a little different where I'm at right now because the the, um, the challenge is a little different. Uh, uh, but um, you know, uh, we we have four core values that we focus on. Uh, and, and again, some you know we focus on spiritual community, we focus on uh, spiritual life, we focus on uh, discipleship and ministry, and we focus on outreach. Those are our four core values. And so I, I want to be asking the questions, how can I move those four things forward? And, um, and, and I try to review the previous year, the progress we've made, and then I begin to say, okay, in those areas, which one or two are we going to try to move forward this year? And uh, as I said last year, we focused big on evangelism and will again this year, uh, but this year we're focused on leadership. And, and, and some of you heard me say this at another session about a month ago, right now I'm the only leader in the church. Okay, I define a leader as a, a leader is someone who's leading people. A worker is someone who does ministry. I've got a lot of great workers. I do. But I don't know that I have anybody that's really leading people. So I see that as a core need of our church. So that's why and I've told my even my board. And they've heard me say that same thing, and they yeah, you're right. You know, we do it, but we don't really lead others. So I need to raise up some leaders. So that's I look at our core values. I look at kind of where we're at prayerfully and what do we need to target this year. So anyone else? What do you think are some steps that you can take to raise up leaders or to equip people? Uh, That's a great question. And again, what I've done the first two months of this year is I've tried to observe some that are workers right now that already expressing a a burden for a particular area. Uh, And uh, probably in the middle of April, I'm going to begin meeting with them either as a small group or even one-on-one and trying to pour into their life some of what I'm sensing and feeling. Uh, And then by the end of the year, I'm hoping to actually release them into more of a leadership role. So uh, recruiting people that are already showing heart for that, a vision for that, but believing they can do more than they're doing right now, and then meeting with them in my case personally because again you know I'm trying to you know the Moses seventy elders thing uh, I want to impart my spirit I want to impart my DNA to them meet with them probably three to six months and then by the end of the year begin to release them uh, with with monitoring you know so back here. Yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, I probably wouldn't be the right person to speak to that. Um, you know, I think we're all challenged by that. Um, I think, again, that, that, you know, for me, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, really speak that into the life of what I would call my uh, board, uh, those that serve in a more integral way around me. So they're hearing that on a regular basis. Uh, and then I'm going to minister on Sundays, uh, you know, maybe on a Wednesday, small group setting in those thematics. I do not have the hope that I'm going to bring everybody on board. Um, if I can get, you know, 60, 70 percent of the people moving in a, a semblance of the same direction, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, uh, but again, it is challenging. One of the things at our church, uh, we we really did not have a welcoming environment when I got there and that was one of my and you know we set up a welcome table and coffee and all that and one of the older people you know and we do we have a very traditional sanctuary it's a beautiful sanctuary pews the whole thing slanted floor I mean um, just it's a beautiful building but you know she's concerned now you know are we going to let them bring coffee in the sanctuary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I said you know I'm not going to be a policeman I'm not going to be a policeman. I said, if a guest gets coffee at the table and they happen to slip in the back, and they, you know, I'm not going to be, I would rather that guest feel comfortable. So I had to bring that culture a little bit my way. And she was fine. She was good with that. She was very kind about it. And probably about three weeks later, that happened. You know, and I'm looking out there going, oh, no, I hope she's not going to be a policeman. You know, but, you know, so it is, that's a challenge. Because in many of our church, if you're dealing with an existing church, and you're dealing with a church that needs to be, in a sense, revitalized or move forward, you are going to have different ideas in regards to what this looks like. And, um, you know, so I think you're going to have to really exercise some good pastoral gifts and loving people and shepherding people, at the same time not allowing those people to keep you or distract you from what you know God's got in your heart, you know. So I, I, it's a good question. I wish I had a better answer for it. So someone else? You no, know, something else. Right. realistic expectations because you know your goal or your plan vision that you have uh, you know might be good like you said maybe long term you know like the pins uh, but it might not necessarily that itself might not be realistic at right. the time and you have to do more realistic smaller right. steps well people. and let's let's just say that uh, let's say you've got a community of 25,000 and you do have a vision to reach the community for Christ okay but you've only got a church of 75 people is it realistic for you to do that in one year? Probably not. So what do you do? You break that down into a five-year plan. You break that down into a seven-year plan. And you begin to quadrant off the community. Say, hey, we're going to target on this community, part of the community for this year. We're going to pray over that part. We're going to canvas, do mailers in that part, whatever. And we're going to focus on that. Uh, God, you're you're still looking toward the big vision. And, man, we want to reach this community with the gospel. But you're breaking it down in a manner. Sometimes you don't have the budget for that big vision. So you say, okay, we don't have $20,000 this year, but we got $3,000. So we're going to do what $3,000 can do. And so sometimes you do. You have to, okay, let's step back. Okay, this is our big picture. We'd like to do this, but we can't. So let's not move off that. But let's break it down into manageable parts and say, hey, what can we do this year and move us in that direction? And so, uh, and there are always, well, if we can't do that, we might as well not do anything at all. No. No. Do something. Do something. But, you know, sometimes you've got to break that down into a manageable vision. So, but. All right, I think we're done. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a great day.